I got friends on me, wanna talk business. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I've been reading out of work. Hi, welcome to Put That Copy Down, the Freight Sales Podcast and Show for Closers. My name is Kevin Hill here with Richie Daigle. Yeah, we're going to be talking about sales today. We're going to be talking about learning. We're going to be talking about setting appointments, you know, so qualifying leads, getting getting leads from that, that cold lead to that hot prospect. That's always fun times. Yeah. What are you going to do if you don't have appointments? I do. I don't know. What do you do if you don't have an appointment? You figure out a way to set them. You do, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have Justin Oglesby coming in uh, here in about 25 minutes talking about uh, setting appointments. He is the co-founder of Conversionsly, and uh, it's all about warming up prospects, getting that, uh, getting that prospect into a funnel, uh, contacting them, and setting that appointment, which is very important for sales. And sometimes it's not really the, the true skill set of all salespeople, right? It's, it's very disciplined. I mean, it's, it's very niched, right? You can be good at one thing, but not so good at another. You know, you have the hunters and the farmers. You hear that all the time. Mm -hmm. People who know how to go out and get new business and the people who know how to, to grow that business. And that's always, uh, that's often thought of as different personality traits. And I, I think there's a lot of truth to that. But all through the sales prospect for, or sales process, from prospecting to presenting to closing, you're strong in some areas and you're not so strong in others. Yeah, and you have to work on those weaknesses, right? You want to get better at the things that you identify are, are weaknesses, while you continue to grow your strengths. And then, from a managerial standpoint, you want to start to move people into positions that accentuate or bring out their strengths. And so if you do have those people on your team that are go-getters and fantastic at, uh, you know, they can strike up a conversation with anybody in a room about anything, anywhere, anytime. And yeah, you want those people on the ground and making those appointments where if you have your, your technical, maybe a bit more introverted personalities that are really understand the product and application, then um, maybe they're not the best ones to get on some of these calls because they're going to want to make every call 20 minutes and people just don't have that kind of, kind of time. You're exactly right. <laughs> and so sometimes your weaknesses is better to, uh, to, to focus on your strengths and let someone else who mm -hmm. that your weakness is their strength take over for that. And that's called outsourcing. Yep. Automation, yep. outsourcing, sometimes that's the, the, the best uh, avenue to take instead of trying to, uh, to beat your head against the wall. And if you can't hit a 100-mile-an-hour pitch, don't keep trying. <laughs> yeah. Right? <laughs> See if you can throw one instead. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like like the, the guy in Chattanooga now, the, the guy who's playing for the lookouts. He yeah. set a record for, what was the record, Richie? I think it, it was a, a record for all of baseball. It was, I think, either 37 or 39 pitches in a single outing that were over 100 miles an hour. And he only threw like 70-something pitches in the whole outing. Like, it wasn't like he was throwing 100 pitches. And I mean, he just blew that, yeah. that record out of the water. Yeah, I know, and, and that tells most of the story, but there, were there 71 pitches in one inning, or was he getting people out? Because that's what's really important, right? Yeah, I think it was a good outing. <laughs> that's good. That's good. We're going to talk a little bit about sports and a little bit about practice and training. Uh, Justin was a professional bull rider uh, as well, so there should be some entertaining stories uh, about getting on, on the back of a bull, which is... Uh, I don't know if that's scarier than facing down a hundred mile an hour pitch or, or not. What do you think? Yeah, that'd be tough. 
Yeah. I don't know. I'm more comfortable as a baseball player, so I'm probably getting in the box versus getting on the back of a bowl. But for somebody that has no experience in either, I'd be curious to I, see. I, I think getting on the back of a bowl is probably more scary. <laughs> yeah. I, I can almost guarantee it that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Surge Transportation, our sponsor here at Put That Coffee Down. Surge Transportation is the fastest growing 3PL in the logistics space today. Based in Chicago and Jacksonville, they offer unrestricted access to almost all accounts, limitless territory, and a chance to be a key player in a growing company. To find out more, email jobs at surgetransportation.com. Once again, that is jobs at surgetransportation.com, and that's spelled S-U-R-G-E. Talking about the surge of demand and, and surge of uh, a freight that is has is, is been going what, 12, 15, 18 months now? There's a lot of surging going on. Yeah, we're going to talk about it here in a few minutes as well as we do our sonar chart of the, the week here at Put That Coffee Down. Uh, but let's, uh, let, let's talk about the learning process, right? Mm-hmm. And we were talking about it. There, there are no shortcuts in this learning process. No matter what you're doing in life, there's ways to condense that time down, but you just can't skip around. And it's basically a pyramid or a staircase. Uh, and it starts at the bottom when you start something new, and that's called unconscious incompetence. Yep, it's when right? you don't know that you don't know. It, it, it well, actually it's, it's when you don't know when, what you don't know. Yeah, I, I think, think that's what I said. Is that what you said? Yeah, you oh, don't. Maybe. You don't know don't that know. you don't. Well, I don't know that I don't know. But. <laughs> True, you know, you have no idea. You have no idea. So, so a lot of times that's when it's really awkward. It's like you're learning to walk, mm-hmm. right? Or, or learning the, the pitching motion, or learning how to hit a golf ball. You know, you don't even know what to think about or what to do to, to actually do it. Exactly. Yeah, you're a blank slate at that point. Mm-hmm. And so you are trying to learn the things that you're doing wrong yep. so that you can then fix them. And so that's, that's when you start anything. You need to understand everything that you don't know so that you can learn it. And that's the only way you're going to learn is, is through that process. So... Yeah, that's just the natural starting point for for learning any new skill set. It really is. And it's also very interesting whenever you're selling, right, and you're going to a client, sometimes what you're presenting, their reaction or or their state of mind is unconscious incompetence because they don't even know what they're doing wrong. You have a solution, but they don't even know that it's a solution yet. Exactly. So you have to educate your customer. I want you you climb up a little bit to that that second layer of the pyramid. You have conscious incompetence, and that's when you do know that oh. you're not very good. <laughs> <laughs> this is when you start to realize, oh, there's a lot I don't know. There is, yes. <laughs> there's there's things I need to work on. I'm I figured out I'm doing this thing and it's wrong, mm-hmm. and now it's it has this ramification or this outcome, and I need to fix that. I need to learn this. I need to do something about it. And in the sales process, if you realize your prospect like. That's the moment where, you, you know, through qualification and asking questions, you want to get that prospect to that point. They go, oh, no, there's I didn't know. But now I do. And thank you for making making me aware. of this. It is. Yes. So, so so everything's really awkward and you're mm-hmm. trying to piece all these this complicated moves to, together. Right. And whether that's cold calling or handling objections, whatever it may be, you're, you're, you have to think about it. And you're about 30 seconds to a minute behind everything because you really have to process it. And you're kind of in the practice mode. Right. And it's a very frustrating uh, time because nothing seems to go right. It's, it's very awkward. It is uh, very difficult to do anything. 
but you just have to fight your way through that. And the, there are millions of secrets how to do that more quickly, uh, but you can't skip it. I and mean, the, you can't skip any of this. This is the thing. The telltale sign to me for a salesperson that's in that conscious incompetence segment or, uh -huh. or stage, and this is basically coming from experience from a certain uh, point, but it's when you're too wordy. You're, you're thinking verbally and you were just vomiting all of the buzzwords you can think of to try to explain something that you don't quite have a good grasp on. And it's the throwing the spaghetti on the wall and seeing what sticks. Yeah. And, and that's a telltale sign of that competent or, uh, or conscious incompetence. It, it is. It's like nine out of ten times something goes wrong. But, but you, you're, you're kind of trying to figure out what goes right that one time out of mm -hmm. ten. And once you kind of master that a little bit or get better at that, then you go into conscious competence. And that's where, you know, maybe 50%, 50% of the time you, you are, you, you'll go into a sales meeting, you, you'll be doing something in sales or life, and it's working out. And you're really learning what's working. And you're kind of experimenting. And it's not really throwing spaghetti against the wall anymore. It, it's kind of testing the limits. Well, you're, you know which noodles to throw. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> and and the, the scary thing about conscious confidence is like that's where it's real easy to just end right there because mm -hmm. that's where your ego starts blowing up. Right. Yeah. Oh, I know my stuff now. I, I know I'm good. I know what to pick. I know what spaghetti to throw on the wall. This worked last time. I'm going to just keep doing it again and it's going to work all the time now. And that's uh, I think that can that can end and stunt a lot of growth. It, it does. It, we, we talk about it all the time here is that fixed mindset and that growth mindset. Exactly. Right. And that, that's your fixed mindset. And then you go to the top of the pyramid. There you have unconscious competence. Right. It, it just becomes natural. You don't even have to think about it. In fact, if you even start thinking about it, your instincts go away and you screw yourself up. Unconscious. You overanalyze. Unconscious competence. The thing that comes to my mind is these are the people that learned the great skill of listening and active listening. And now they don't feel the need to just start throwing all the good stuff out there that they learned in the conscious confidence stage. They're like, I'm going to listen. I know my stuff. I know what to listen for, but I'm going to listen. And then what I hear, I know, I'll know exactly how to apply the solutions that we have. You're exactly right. And it's, it's oftentimes people in that, that phase, unconscious confidence, you ask them, how do you do that? And what answer do you get? I don't know. I just do it. Yeah, it's, I, I don't even know. I, I, I just go up there and I do that and it works, I suppose. And I don't know any other way not to do it because you've been doing it so long. That's when you start to master something, right? Yeah. And the thing about it is it doesn't end there. No. You spend too much time in that unconscious competence and then you're going to learn the magnitude of what you don't know, especially mm -hmm. if you have that growth mindset and you're just going to start repeating. You're going to fall yeah. right back into that orange and then it's just going to start you know, going over and over and over. This is a never-ending sort of pyramid. Or it I is. think you had a stair-step uh, visual that may be a good representation yeah, as well. Exactly. And this isn't, you know, it, I mean, I guess this is life a little bit, but you don't, it's not that clean when you look at the entirety of life. These are very mm -hmm. specific things and skills that you pick up. And to be to, to increase your skill set, you have to go through this staircase. You have to make that climb each and every time you learn anything new anything at all. So sales being one, uh, you know, just a golf swing being another one, uh, sit, sitting up here and talking, 
right? And if you ask the crew back there, they would say, I might be in conscious incompetence right now, <laughs> yeah. right? That, that's, that's what they would tell me, certainly. So we will see. Uh, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's one of those things. It's a, it's, it, it is a lesson that, that's out there. There's many, many books about that. There's a lot of websites that you can go read, learn more about this. But it's just that natural learning progression. Yeah. And, and, you know, getting back to that fixed and growth mindset here a little bit, you know, some people could look at this as climbing Mount Everest. Hey, I, I made it to the top of the pyramid. I've climbed the mountain. I think that life and sales and everything is more complicated than that. And I would say that this is more in line with making it to Mars, right? Yes. We, we finally got to Mars. That's an amazing thing. So mm -hmm. much went into that. So much science and learning. And we get there and like, oh, there's a lot we don't know, <laughs> and it starts over again. It, it does, because you get to Mars, and you realize what you don't know anymore. And, and you have a new set of challenges and problems, mm -hmm. and you have to start building solutions from scratch, because you don't know until you get there. Exactly. But yeah, it goes to that, you know, this big universe, right? We answered this one little, we got really good at getting to Mars. In the grand scheme of things, that's nothing. And then, but you have that that unconscious confidence as a foundation mm -hmm. that you can build on. So you're building future pyramids and future stair steps on the foundation that you've laid, with the process and learning that you've undertaken up until that yeah. point, and and that's huge. So you're always progressing and going forward and learning more and advancing and getting better. You are. It's all about getting better. Absolutely. You know that's that's life, right? It's just uh, mastering new skills. Talking about. You know, life is about mastering new skills. Sometimes some of those skills go away in companies. And this was an interesting article I found in the Wall Street Journal this morning about Bank of America or Merrill Lynch, the thundering herd, all those stockbrokers out there making money, cold calling, you know, like the Wolf of Wall Street. Mm -hmm. They are ending cold calling, right? So there's been this huge discussion. Is cold calling dead? I don't think it's dead, but for Merrill Lynch, wealth advisors and wealth management team, I guess it is dead. Some analysts did a whole bunch of number crunching mm -hmm. and figured out that the the what they were paying people to cold call versus the success rate didn't make any sense. And I think this is a trend. I mean, when my I answer phone calls when my you know a number that I don't know, I'm in mm -hmm. sales, so I always have that. <gasps> It could be anybody, know, right? right? So I want to answer this. It's like playing phone lottery. Like, who is it? Is it somebody trying to sell me a car warranty or is this somebody who wants to move forward, right? And so, but if you're not in sales, like my wife and, and all my friends that don't work in sales, they see a number, they're like, yeah, no. Yeah. I mean, I don't know anybody that's like, ooh, who could this be? <laughs> I, I know, right? And and you have the robocalls, you have, have all of these other things that have really gained traction over the last few years. And I know that if someone in the 918 area code, you know, like from Cleveland, Oklahoma, or Salisaw is calling me, I don't know anybody in, in Salisaw, Oklahoma. And <laughs> if I did, they would be in my phone. So I automatically know, yeah, I, I don't want to answer this because I, I'm sure my car warranty is, is outdated. Of course, my car is 20 years old, so <laughs> I don't have a warranty. I've never had a warranty on it, but I get sold warranties all the time. Here's a little snippet from... From the article this morning, Bank of America Corp's uh, Merrill Lynch Wealth Management Unit is banning trainee brokers from making cold calls, a vestige of an area when the industry pushed out hot stocks to anyone who would pick up the phone. Merrill on Monday rolled out 
a revamped advisor training program that prohibits participants from cold calling and directs would-be brokers to use internal referrals or LinkedIn messages to land clients instead. The decision comes after the program's 3,000 trainees were told to stop outbound recruiting efforts to find new customers uh, after last year's problematic phone calls. So it's, uh, you know, I don't know if LinkedIn is, is any better than cold calling. Uh, I, I think it was at a time, but I, I, I get so many cold messages, just yep. blank messages on LinkedIn these days that uh, I don't really respond to those either. Unless you're, you're sending me an actual message or Richie will always respond to actual messages. But if you want to, uh, to loan, you know, loan me money against my, uh, my, my fleet of trucks that I don't own, um, <laughs> you probably won't get a response. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that this is just, it's a natural occurrence of as the market tightens up, everything has to be faster, everything has to be more efficient. Efficiency is king these days. And that means you have to start getting rid of inefficiencies. We talked about the, the Pareto effect in the 80-20 rule. Mm -hmm. And if you're spending a huge amount of time making cold calls where you're 2% effective, like there's got to be a better way to use your time. And I think it does put more uh, pressure on marketing teams. Well, you know, because I, they, I think even this, the stat, yeah, it does definitely do. I think the stat was 2% answer rate, not a 2% success rate. Yeah, that's even right? worse. So you're making 100 calls, you're getting two people on the phone, just, just on the phone. How many uh, of those people are like, day. bye? You I know, know right? <laughs> yeah, you have to get 100 people on the phone to get like five cells or something. So so that, that's, a, that's a, a long climb up. But yeah, it does put a lot of pressure on inbound leads, uh, you know, getting, you know, qualifying those prospects. And that's what we'll be talking to Justin here in a few minutes about. Also, there's a lot of complaints. So, so Merrill Lynch has a lot of complaints, uh, as always, whenever you have a thundering herd Pounding the phones, uh, calling a thousand, making a thousand dials a day, you're going to have some complaints. And the next chart is uh, something I found at financial-planning.com, and that's been uh, Merrill Lynch's complaints over the last few years, starting in 2017, going to 2020. You see it's declined rapidly, and I think that's probably because less people are actually making phone calls, uh, those, those cold calls. Uh, they might have just banned it, but I think it's it's been trailing down. I'd love to see further uh, reports into this because I I think that not all cold calls are created equal, and you know, oh, yeah. and yeah. I, I think cold calls that sound like cold calls and cold calls where people are trying to make a close during yeah. the cold call, you know, and that's and again this is for the two percent that are answering, but I think those are different outcomes versus cold calls that aren't perceived as such. You know, I'm just I'm just trying to set up a meeting or I'm yeah. I'm calling to see how you're doing if you need any help. Like, you know, there, there's ways I, I think there there could be some interesting data or interesting uh, um, things to be found in further further studies into this sort of thing. I, I think you're exactly right. And Wall Street Journal here has uh, this is part of the article, too. In recent years, only a small portion of trainees completed the program. No surprise there, right? I sure. mean, yeah. that, that's been that's been a trend forever. As successful recruits often had extensive personal networks and were less reliant on cold calling, trainees said. While cold calling other offers opportunity for a gifted salesperson to build a network from scratch, it is hard to succeed that way in an era when no one picks up the phone. 
Personal referrals lead to a response around 40% of the time, Merrill's executive said, but less than 2% of people who are cold called even answer the phone. So there's there's a stat for you right there, Richie. Yep. Um, but yeah, so you know, building up that network, however you do that, and and that really makes a point where you should be building a network now, today. No matter, you know, the, the old saying, you know, when's the best time to plant a tree? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yesterday. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yesterday or 25 years ago, right? So <laughs> just, just plant the tree now because uh, it won't grow until you plant it. So that, that's that's always good. But yeah, so it, that'll add to the debate of is cold calling dead? It's it's like saying is a tree dead, right? Going back to trees. Yeah, trees don't just like hey, I'm alive, and then the next day, uh, just kidding, I'm dead. Unless there's a tornado, trees tend to die <laughs> over like you know. 10 years or 15 years, they start dropping yeah, yeah. branches, they rot from the inside, there's this dying process. Mm -hmm. I think that what we're seeing with cold calling is the beginning of the dying process of the cold calling tree. And that over the next five to 10 years as marketing, digital marketing starts picking up and we start building more and more efficiencies, you're gonna see less and less of cold calling. When is the date where there are no more cold calls being made? I don't know. I agree with that. I, I agree with the old way of doing it, but someone is going to reinvent the cold call. I would someone agree. Someone is yeah. going to do it. I can get on board with that. It, it, it just makes too too much sense. I mean, because a, a lot of us did build up a network through cold cold calling, cold emailing. Uh, it does work if you are good at it. Uh, I, I know two percent of the people are answering the phone. That's not good, but someone will reinvent it. And Someone will. There's some industries that, that lend itself to it, right? If I'm mm -hmm. trying to sell Teslas, I might not be cold calling well, no. to see if somebody wants a Tesla. But if I'm a freight broker, maybe that makes more sense. It does. It definitely does. So let us turn our, our, our gaze at the markets yeah. here. And, uh, and you have a chart here with, uh, with, with Sonar talking about week over week changes. What are we looking at here? Yeah, so this is, this is a drive-in. Uh, chart and what we're capturing here is market movement and everybody talks about rates what is a rate what's a good contract rate what's the right spot rate rates are like surfboards on the ocean everybody's rates a little bit different some are long some are short some are wide some are skinny some sit deep in the water mm -hmm. some float on top everybody's are a little bit different we all try to look at everybody else's surfboard and make ours somewhat similar but it's the ocean underneath the surfboards that's moving all the surfboards. And that's what we're capturing here with this map. What we're looking at is two different data sets. One's reflected in the height of all the different markets. And that is going to be the week over week change in outbound drive-in volume. So these tall markets have seen an increase in their outbound drive-in volume over the past week. Uh, and then the flat markets or the depressed markets are, have not seen. You know, it's been flat or, or it's gone down. And then the color is showing what's happened with tender rejections for that outbound drive-in volume over the last week. So these blue markets are showing markets where tender rejections have increased over the past week, uh, with the darker blue being a, a bigger increase. And these red markets, rejections have gone down over the past week. So what we're looking at is a week-over-week market movement uh, for the whole country. And, and this is really important because as we, you know, we talked about all this mm -hmm. volume that's coming into the country, that's going to create a lot of disruption in the marketplace, but we don't know exactly where that's going to occur until it starts to happen. 
And monitoring these week over week uh, changes allows us to see what has the ocean of freight done on a market level in the past week. That is, uh, that is, that is great. I love that analogy. I hope you use that in your sales calls. When the time's right. Yeah. Oh, I know. It sounded really <laughs> polished. It was really Thank good. You. But it was a really great description of what's going on. You it's, know, the, the ocean underneath and the, the waves. And that's what you really have to look at and not necessarily what you're paying now or your micro situation. Yeah, and a lot of what goes into rates are relationships and certain dynamics that exist yep. for that type of freight and so forth. But you want to know what's going on in the marketplace and adjust your rate accordingly. You want to know leverage or if you have leverage or if you mm -hmm. don't, regardless of if you're a broker, a carrier, a shipper, you know, understanding what the ocean of market conditions is doing is impactful no matter yeah. you know, which, which card you're playing. It's just like uh, when we talk about oil or gas or any other commodities, you have the, uh, the, the Cymex or the, you know, the, the, the clearing house, you know, uh, where you buy oil, you know, where barrels of oils are, are traded on a daily basis. But you have the basis where you actually, if you're a producer or a buyer, you, you're selling at uh, wellheads and, and, and refineries and things like that. And you have that differential. And it's the mm -hmm. same thing in trucking, right? You have the, the price, and then you have your differential or your basis and your customized kind of uh, maybe delivery timelines or, you know, expediency or things that you you put premiums on because of the service. So, 100%. Yeah. That was awesome. That was awesome. Uh, really awesome analogy. Uh, so, I, I think Justin is, is ready and joining us right now, and it's Justin Oglesby. He is the co-founder of Conversionsly. Uh, and that's where they turn your cold prospects into hot prospects. Thanks for joining us today, Justin. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You bet. You bet. I, I do. I, I love the bull behind you. That's Bob. Hey, or George or Greg. I feel like I come up with a new name every time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can you introduce yourself, Justin, and tell us a little bit about Conversely to, to sort us off here? Yeah, uh, Justin Oglesby, co-founder of Conversionly. Essentially, at Conversionly, what we do is we help service-based businesses who don't have a consistent way to generate leads wake up to sales appointments each and every single day on their calendar. And we do that by you know, creating customized marketing and sales systems for our clients. I, I think all salespeople love it when anyone says, we have prospects for you. We, we turn those cold prospects into, into meetings and engagements, right? Yeah, 100%. Well, I mean, kind of what we specialize in is the the, the sales pipeline, right? So if you look at it, uh, and if you do anything at a high level, it really just becomes a numbers game. The more prospects you can put in at the beginning of the funnel, the more sales prospects, the hopefully if the conversion rate is correct, the more appointments you're going to get, and then hopefully the more sales calls you're going to get, going to get on. And if the conversion rate is correct again, hopefully the more money you make inside of the business. So what we look at is each and every single one of those conversion rates and trying to optimize that as much as possible. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, you have a really interesting background. Uh, let's, uh, let, let's get a little bit into the, the professional bull riding and then the transition out and <laughs> into the, the, the business that, well, about 18 months ago that, that you co-founded? Uh, about three years ago. Oh, three years uh, ago, three sorry. Years ago. Yeah, yeah, So um, used to rodeo and ride bulls, um, was hospitalized for about 30 days uh, kind of quickly realized how short life was. Wasn't that great at pool riding, but I made some money. But, you know, that's another uh, story for another time. We won't talk about all my scars and, you know, anyway. Um, yeah. So transitioned into business, um, did the whole like corporate thing, started doing sales for, you know, orthopedic companies. 
and then realized that I wanted to do something more like that hospitalization kind of made me realize I wanted it like you really only get one shot at life. Right. So I mm -hmm. wanted to do my own thing. So started as a, a digital marketing agency generating leads. And what we found was that anytime we generated leads, a lot of our clients would say stuff like these leads stink. They never answer the phone. Like I can't get that. I can't get an appointment for them. So we, instead of pointing the finger at them and, you know, blaming them, we decided to actually create a solution. So we started digging down into like Harvard Business Review studies on what it took to actually turn leads into appointments because that was the next step inside of the sales funnel, right? So we started at a 20% conversion rate. We started with like a Harvard Business Review study that said you needed to follow up within three to five minutes of a, you know, a lead coming in. You need to make sure you at least do like six follow-up calls. You need to make sure you have a dedicated person on the phone. And so we started there and literally over the past three years, we've split tested everything that you can think about under the sun, how to call, when to call, who to follow up with, email versus text message versus phone call. We've got that all the way up to a 42% booking rate from leads to booked appointments. That's impressive. That's, yeah, that, yeah. that's, that's really impressive. Um, I'm kind of going backwards a little bit, but I would imagine you learned quite a lot about yourself and work ethic and how to think quickly on your feet when, or, you know, on the, on the back of a bull <laughs> and riding a bull. I'm curious, you know, what, what did you take from those life experiences into the business that you started and, and how are you integrating some of those learned life lessons uh, into the company? Yeah, so it's funny with bull riding. Um, I'm not sure if you guys watch or know much about the sport, but it, it's like eight seconds. Like, happens like that. If you're if you're on top of the bull and you're not prepared and you don't know like subconsciously what to do before the bull actually does it and you're thinking about it while you're in the process, you probably already like have lost and got bucked off, right? So bringing that over to business, if you're not prepared, if you don't know what your conversion rates are, if you don't understand like what it takes to to do the thing while you're in the thing, then I'm probably not going to be much successful anyway. So taking that knowledge, like being as prepared as possible, really doing down, like practicing, digging the, you know, digging down into the research, A, B and split testing everything under the sun, trying to get the best results possible is really something I've kind of taken from the, the professional bull riding side. So, so it's almost like anticipation, if I'm hearing you correctly, is, you know, all of that training yeah. that goes into bull riding, you're trying to anticipate what is that bull going to do? How is it going to react? There's this chaotic animal underneath me and it could do anything, but I'm going to do everything that I can to try to understand what it might do and be prepared for, for as much as possible. Um, and it, it sounds like you're, you're taking that into, uh, you know, setting, setting appointments. I'm curious, I got to ask the question, you know, I'm sure you've been on a, on a bull for more than eight seconds, but have you, have you landed a, a sales call in under eight seconds? Uh, in under eight seconds, there was a sales call and I actually have this, um, it's, it's on my Facebook profile, but I have a, a guitar right here. And one of the guys was like, Hey, I saw, uh, I was watching one of your, like your podcasts or something where you were playing the guitar. Can you play it for me? And that like, that was literally within like the first like five seconds. And I was like, if I play that guitar, you guys are closing. And they were like, okay, so that's, that's about as close as I've got. <laughs> that, that'll do it. That that, that 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 qualifies, I think. Uh, definitely. So, I was serenading them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so no matter what you do, you, you, 
it's the attention to details. It's, it's creating that that formula through all the testing. You know, I, I, Richie uh, pitched for the uh, Padres organization, and you know, writing bulls. And no matter what you do in life, you need, you, you try to repeat the process the same way over and over and over again. And we booked an appointment um, for you know Justin uh, when we jumped on the the, the, the phone and. And the contacts I received leading up to that appointment were very detailed and very much part of a, a formula. Can you kind of dive into that formula and, and why it works so well? For the appointment setting. So as soon as, like, let's just say a lead comes in, the best thing that we have found is to get a real-life human being on the phone within five minutes. And the best thing that we have found is, like, when you call, a lot of times they don't pick up. So you do what we call like a bulldog call, right? You hang up and you call right back. And then we started split testing the second call with the third call. So you you call, hang up, they don't answer. Call again, hang up, they don't answer three times in a row. Usually they're kind of like, what the, what the heck, dude? But then yeah. like you kind of ease it into the conversation. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I just actually signed up for this thing. Or, yeah, I'm actually interested in this. And then it's all about just getting them on the phone. Right. With a real life human being, have a meaningful conversation so that you can take them to the next step. Right. Uh, so once we implemented that, our, our um, like pickup rate increased by like 88 percent. And so we're like, OK, we're doing that every single time. So human being on the call, if they don't answer, leave a voicemail, send a text message, call every single day for a handful of consecutive days. We like to do around five or six. Wait a day call every day for like two days, wait a couple of days and call every day for a couple of days and then put them into a long-term nurturing sequence, right? Via email and text message, like six months, right? Now, if we do get them on the phone, we're going to ask them a handful of qualification questions. And these qualification questions are designed to see if they're a good fit to actually take the next step, which is usually like a sales call or like a, like a pitch. And then, you know, once they're qualified, just say, hey, we want to set aside some time to actually go through what we can offer going to go through our products and service um, and then book the sales call. And then we're seeing about a 80 to 90% show up rate. If you do a email text confirmation, 48 hour reminder, email and text, 24 hour reminder, email and text, a two hour reminder and a 15 minute reminder. At that point, there's no way that they're not going to know that that call is going to happen. Right. Yeah, that's, you know, one thing that, that just came to my mind listening to you there, qualification questions. Because when I'm, when I'm in a sales call, I might spend the first half of the whole call just wanting to understand my client, understand what they're doing, what their pain points are, how they're looking to grow. There's a lot that goes into qualification. So what have you found for condensing those qualification questions? You know, how many questions are you asking? How much time are you spending on that? What are you looking for? And, you know, how qualified does a client need to be for you to feel confident to move forward and, and book an, an appointment? Yeah, so these appointment setting calls, these qualification calls, triage calls, whatever you want to call them, they're usually super short, like five to 10 minutes. You want to really get down to like the three basic questions. Like, like hey, just want to, you know, touch base. Um, are you the, the business owner or decision maker? Um, tell me a little bit more about yourself and your business and ask them what their biggest challenges are, what their biggest pain points are. From those like four questions, you're gonna be able to figure out if they're a good fit for your company or if you can help them. And if you feel like that is the case, then you transition that into, hey, let's actually set aside some time so we can actually go in a little bit more detail. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I, you know, 
in, in the freight industry, freight brokerages, uh, oftentimes, I mean, the, the, the normal the, the normal process is that, that you you own the entire process, right? You are prospecting, you're, you're generating, you're finding people to call, you're generating those leads, you're prospecting, you're setting meetings, you, you own the entire process, which is which is difficult for a lot of people, right? Um, a, a lot of a lot of really good salespeople aren't very good at lead generation or qualifying, uh, getting people on the phone, following up. Uh, certainly, in that that beginning part of the, of the funnel, right? Uh, whenever right. you're prospecting and trying to set that meeting, and oftentimes people are trying to make the sell before they're starting the meeting. What what is uh, from your experience? What, what's the biggest mistake salespeople do whenever they're just trying to qualify and set a meeting? I think the biggest thing um, as far as qualify, well, well, the way that we coach our clients on, by the time they get someone to respond to it, like an outbound message via like an email or cold call or text message or voicemail drop, by the time they're responding to that crafted message that we send them, that coming in, they're usually already qualified, pre-qualified. Mm -hmm. So they're either like responding positively, like, yes, here's my phone number, let's have a conversation. And then they're just getting a little bit more information to figure out if this is a good fit or not. I think the biggest, probably the biggest um, mistake that people make is not doing that extra step before the qualification call, determining if, if is this the correct person? Is this my target market that I'm actually wanting to go after or get on the phone with even for the qualification call? And I think you see that in, whenever salespeople own that process is oftentimes they're not calling the, the target market, right? So they, they get outside of that pretty quick and they're meandering around uh, and, and talking to people that they shouldn't really even be talking to because uh, they're, they're not even qualified buyers, uh, but they're, they're trying to make that stretch, right? And I, I've seen, I've just seen a, a lot of companies, uh, you know, put so much resources into having their salespeople who are supposed to be closing deals and, and actually selling on the phone uh, in the minutia of generating leads. And I, right, hundred percent. Do you have that same feeling out there that it, that crosses a lot of different industries and not just in freight? I feel like it crosses a ton of industries, and to be frank, that's why we're in business mm -hmm. um, conversionally as a company. Um, one, we help you generate more leads, and we help you give your like we help give you an appointment setter that's going to help your sales team. Do nothing but hopefully just confirm appointments are going to be on their calendar, take the calls, and close the deals. Right? If you have an appointment center that is solely focused on those, like bringing in leads, turning those leads into appointments, then now you're separating the closer from like that other like minutia that they really don't want to do, nor should they do if they're super highly skilled at closing deals. So I would imagine that your teams are working pretty close knit with marketing teams, right? In order, there, there could be a marketing department that's put together, you know, campaigns and different outreaches, and they have a certain type of voice that they have uh, presented from a branding perspective. What are you doing, or, or how are your teams adapting and, and taking on that that marketing voice and that brand identity to keep that consistency all the way through the sales cycle? Um, so I think it depends on an individual company, right? I think that probably will kind of fall on the shoulders of the sales manager, making sure that, or really the, the marketing director or the CMO, making sure that that marketing is consistent with the appointment setting and, you know, confirming those or like generating those leads and then booking those appointments all the way to the closer, right? So I think that at a high level probably needs to be more of 
a you know a tr an easy easy transition. Yeah. Um, so we we're talking about a Wall Street Journal article that that hit this morning about Bank of America and Merrill Lynch and and banning cold calls from trainees. Right. So so cold calling for trainees of of Merrill Lynch is now banned. Uh, and they found that only about two percent of of the people that of the phone calls they made, people even actually answered. And I, I just want to see, from your perspective and your experience over the last, uh, say, twelve fifteen months, when more and more people were working from home, I, do, was there a real a significant change in in, in the answer rate of of telephone calls? Um, so we were doing some cold calling. Um, cold calling is really our last resort. And only if it makes sense in an industry and if you can actually get them on the phone. Uh, what we do is what we call cold call 2.0, where we send out like a, a voicemail drop or a text message and we have them respond back to that message. And then once there is a response, then we call them. Right. So what you're doing is you're casting out a super wide net and anyone who comes in into the funnel or responds back, then you're only focusing on those people versus like calling 100 people and only two people answer. So, so is that like, like calling 100 people or, or casting out a net on 100 people and you only follow up and, and make a second cold call uh, if, if someone responds? Is that correct? Yep. Okay. What have been your, what's your, your, your stats on that? So are, are you increasing to, let's say you, you email blast 500 people and you, you get, you know, maybe, you know, 50 people, whatever it is, you know, open an email or, or, or click on a link or something like that, and you call that subset of 50, are you getting 20% of that? Or are you getting 40%? What have your statistics look like? There? So if we, if we send out um, 100 cold emails, we're usually going to get about two to four positive responses of someone saying, yes, I'm interested. Here's my phone number. Let's have a conversation. And then the appointment setter immediately follows up as soon as that email is like coming in and then getting them on the phone. And then we usually book about 40 to 50% of those onto a sales call. Yeah, yeah. How, how do you like cold emailing? Because I mean, I, I found a lot of success at it uh, by myself and I, it's a numbers game. At the mm -hmm. end of the day, it's a numbers day. I, I can only make so many phone calls per day, but I can put up a system where I can send out almost unlimited amount of, of cold emails each day and hit those, those benchmarks of those metrics uh, with a push of the button, really. I mean, I, I can automate it all. Uh, I, I can do that, um, you know, sitting uh, in my house having breakfast and then, you know, follow up with people after that instead of trying to pound the phone and, and make time and have the concentration and, you know, getting hit in the face 99 times out of 100. I feel like cold email, cold calling, cold messaging in general is is only as good as the script that you have and the the framework that you use. Right. So you just have to frame the, the message correctly. And then once it's framed correctly, if they're actually in your target market and are in need of your services, most like not most people, but, you know, majority of people will either open it and then like a percentage of people will respond back to you. Right. So I like cold email, I like cold messaging, because if you can get a targeted list of your ideal prospects, send them a super engaging message mm -hmm. have them respond back to you. I mean, that you don't have to, I mean, it's pennies on the dollar, really. You're not spending thousands of dollars in advertising. It, it is. It's pennies on the dollar. And I have a couple of rules myself and, and get your, your feedback on those. And if you have any rules to, to add to that, but, you know, the, the message ha has to be about your prospect's problem, 
barely even mention yourself. If you can do that without even mentioning yourself, all the much better. And I have 120 words. I, I won't go over 120 words. Yeah. So, I mean, it depends on what type of message you're talking about. If you're like sending like a, a direct DM over like a social media, it's mm -hmm. got to be a lot shorter. If you're talking about email, I probably would recommend putting in like some case studies or some links or something like that. Um, but then, you know, there's some emails that you don't even need any of that. As long as you're sending them, like you said, as long as the, the, the email and the topic is about them and not about you, that's usually what you get the most responses. Yeah. And on case studies and things like that, did you ever do uh, two to three, like a sequence, two to three or four emails uh, as part of a sequence and then add in the case studies and add in new nuggets uh, each and every time? Yeah. So we, what we normally do is like strictly talking about um, cold email is like we usually sit, we'll, we'll send out an email and say, you know, you know, whatever you say here. And then here are a couple of case studies that we have if you like to check them out. And the cool part about that is you can put that on a web page where you can pixel them and then show them YouTube ads, Facebook ads, Instagram ads to quickly like take them to an appointment if for whatever reason they don't respond. Kind of changing gears a little bit here. Um, what, are, what kind of personality traits are you looking for for the, the ideal appointment setter? Um, if you had to describe the ideal appointment setter from a personality standpoint, how would you describe them? Yeah, I feel like someone who has like a marketing technical or, or you know, like that kind of background, someone who is super engaging. When we're interviewing them, we're, we're going through about 200 applicants a week. We've been doing this for a while, so we know what it takes to have a really, really good appointment setter. Um, we're looking for um, someone who has some type of uh, experience with customer service. Some like talking to people, having super interpersonal um, like conversational skills, um, and then someone who's just super hungry, who's naturally inquisitive and naturally like questions things, right? So whenever we're on the interview, we're you know asking them like, "Hey, you know, this is this is this situation. Do you have any questions on this?" And if they're like, "No," that's probably not a, probably going to be a good fit for us. But if they're like, yeah, I had a question about this, that, this, and that. If they're like truly like curious, that what makes a huge like that that sets them apart, right? Because usually in the discovery call or the sales call, you're trying to figure out the problem so that you can show them that you have the solution, right? And that goes for a closer or appointment center. Yes, that intellectual curiosity. You know, keep asking questions, keep pushing, keep learning more. Uh, the more information you have, the the, the better. Uh, the, the better off you are, certainly. So on, on, I, I guess, what industries are you working most closely with right now, Justin? Um, is, is there kind yeah, of a so really key any market, sorry. key target market? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, so what I like to say, I mean, we have clients from insurance, roofing, marketing companies, med spas, chiropractors, really any like service-based industry that needs leads and needs appointments. I know that's super broad, but I mean, to be honest, like, <laughs> that, that is like, that's who we help. It, it makes sense because those are usually the industries where uh, there's very little marketing dollars spent and the, the sales process, you know, you know, prospecting and, and lead generation is really up to the salesperson. And right. those are the industries that, that you're describing right there. 100%. One question for you, Justin. I know that, um, we were talking about this a bit earlier with, with the pyramid, but um, oftentimes when you are 
getting involved with something new or learning a new skill set, you may have some assumptions that you're taking in. And as you get more experienced, you either start confirming those assumptions or, you know, disproving those assumptions and finding that, that those assumptions were wrong. Can you think of any, you know, an example of an assumption that you had about appointment setting when you started the company three years ago that you have actually found through your experience to be, you know, the opposite or, or not, not what you assumed as you've gone on and, and learned through uh, building the company? Yeah, so I think the biggest one um, with appointment setting is, you know, just thinking that people, I mean, it's, it's what, like we're in 2021 right now. Like people are texting, messaging, like they don't want to be on the phone. So at the beginning, I was like, I don't, I don't like, we'll see, like that, that's the research, but you know, we'll see if like, cause I thought like text messages and emails would probably convert better. It's like sending them a link so they can book. But if you think about it, that's super passive, right? In today's like active, like passive world, you have to be more active, right? You got to be more proactive going after the appointment and try to really schedule so I was like, well, we'll see if like people actually answer the phone. And then usually what happens is if they respond to an email or if you, you know, give them a call or they respond and then you pick up the phone and you try them over and over and over. Once you do get them on the phone, you say, hey, this is why I'm calling. Is this something that you need? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad you called because I had this question or this question or this misbelief or, you know, and then. From there, you can easily take that person onto way easier onto an appointment versus you passively sending them a message and say, oh, oh by the way, you can book a link here. Yeah, it's like, like most things in life, you have to get in front of people. You have to find whatever yeah. method you can to get in front of people. And usually that's multi-prompt. And, and that's what you, you really have to, uh, to, to focus on. So, so Justin, what's, uh, what, what's next for Convergently? What, what are your, your grand plans for the next 12 to 18 months? Yeah, so really cool. We're going to, um, we're working on right now, like right now we have like lead generation and appointment setting. And then now we're going to start working on everything from like literally lead to close. Um, we're, we're working a lot with our clients on organic marketing um, and then also paid advertising and then turning those leads into appointments, but then also helping them with like the, the sales calls and closing and, and all that good stuff. So um, that's kind of where we're headed, literally from everything from lead to close. Perfect. Great. How does our audience reach out and learn more about Convergently and, and contact you directly? Yeah, absolutely. So I put together a uh, website for you guys. It's called officialappointments.com. Official appointments with an S. Okay. And then we put together a little training for all of your listeners. Uh, walk you guys through the exact process on how to build your own appointment setting machine, how to turn leads into appointments, best practices for managing your pipeline, how to increase your conversion rates, and how to optimize your show-ups. Perfect. That's, that's awesome. So officialappointments.com, correct? That's it. Officialappointments.com. Yeah. So so go to officialappointments.com, do the uh, do, do the lesson and and learn more about booking appointments because I mean that that is one of the, I I think it's it's one of the, the weak points in, in a lot of salespeople's game is is just selling the, the appointment, getting the appointment, doing that discovery call, and really doing a great job at qualifying leads. Definitely. Yeah, I would agree. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And um, yeah, we'll send our listeners to officialappointments.com. All right. Thanks, guys. You have a thank good you day. For time. You take care. You know, the, my big takeaway there mm -hmm. is he's calling while the subject is on the mind of the prospect, right? Yes. Within five minutes of that person opening an email, responding to an email, responding to sending in an inbound lead or something mm -hmm. like that. As soon as they, that person is engaged, 
on the computer or whatever it may be, they're getting a phone call. And having, having an appointment setter with the finger on the pulse and to that degree and capitalizing on that and being able to get in touch with those people while it's on their mind, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's a huge component of, of some of the success that he's seeing. It, it is. Whenever I was starting at Careless, I mean, I got sent out the, the, the cold emails. And as soon as someone replied back, I was either replying back or I was looking up their phone number. I was trying to get them on the phone as quickly as possible to book a demo. And mm-hmm. that's all I was trying to maybe give a little bit and answer questions, find mm-hmm. out more about them and set that demo up to where them and their, you know, whoever it was and their team could sit down on the phone, with share, share a screen and, and go through the pro- program platform. And uh, the conversion rates get, go up the roof. Mm-hmm. If you wait even 15, 20, 30 minutes, that person has gone on to something else. They might have gone on to yep. another solution. But, but certainly in, in freight, they've gone on to the, the next fire that's always break, popping out yep. in, in, in freight and logistics, right? Yeah. And, and, it, and I think that window is even more crucial for freight and, and tra- you know, quick sales cycle type uh, transactions like that, mm-hmm. right? If you're one of 10,000 brokers and and <laughs> this person's getting inundated and they finally reach out to you, you have a window before their phone probably rings with another broker. And yeah, they, oh, yeah, you know, so it's there there's definitely a lot of different variables at play depending on what you're selling. Yeah, we say 10,000 brokers. There's 10,000 uh, you know, MC numbers for brokerages, so probably 5,000 are active. But when we say freight broker, how many people do they employ? There's probably 100,000 freight brokers out there, right? So, and they are calling shippers constantly, you know, if you ever talk to a shipper, uh, you know, just relaxing, maybe having a cup of coffee, uh, they get multiple phone calls, multiple emails a day from people who are trying to to get their foot in the door. So you really have to be memorable. And just like we were talking about uh, previously, I I think cold calling is still alive and well. It is if you do it right. You know, I, I think anything is, uh, as long as you're doing it right, you just have to be quick and, and active and maybe loud, like all the fire engines that seem to be going by <laughs> over the last hour. I, I think there's probably been five of them, you yeah. know, just right here on Market Street, just flying by. And come November, if you've never been to Chattanooga, you can come to F3 and you can be assaulted by all the, the fire engines uh, <laughs> and ambulances that are roaming downtown all the time honking the horn and blaring it at the convention center. F3, November 8th through the 10th. It is the future of freight festival. It is the Coachella uh, of freight. And it probably won't be 95 degrees outside. Like it, it probably is today. will not. And that, I wonder if that's why the firefighters are everywhere, just because the city's practically on fire with the, <laughs> with the <laughs> I, I heat know, probably, uh, It's been a really cool spring, and all of a sudden we, we're under this heat wave. So there might be some people passing out on the street. Who knows? Some tourists <laughs> out there, they're passing out. But yeah, Future of Freight Festival, uh, three days downtown, lots of events going on all around downtown. We'll be there on the live desk each day doing Put That Coffee Down. We also have the main stage that will be open eight to three with some of the, the best content uh, about freight and technology that, that, you'll, that you will find anywhere in, in the world. It's, it's gonna be awesome. We're gearing up for it right now. And uh, yeah, what the truck will be there every day. Put that coffee down. Uh, all of our live shows here on TV. So it's gonna, gonna be a huge. It's gonna be a huge crowd. It is. It I is. Mean, so you can go to live.freightwaves.com to buy your tickets now. Also, we have virtual events. Yeah. 
virtual events. Our next one is June 9th. It's the owner and operators, or actually small fleet and owner operators summit. And it's all going to be about owner operators, small fleets. It's, it's going to be about business, whether you should buy your equipment, should you lease your equipment, how to develop great relationships with both shippers and brokers. Uh, I have an interview with Dave Nemo from the Dave Nemo Show. He does uh, road dog trucking. Uh, he does the morning show. He's a fascinating guy. So it'll be a good interview. He talks to drivers all the time. So we'll see what's uh, on drivers' minds right now. Wayne Craig and Josuya uh, uh, Romos uh, will be talking about what they wish they knew before they became owner-operators. Uh, talking about unconscious incompetence, you know? <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. Uh, you know, you've been a driver, but you never ran your own business. You've never been an owner operator. You don't know what you don't know. And you will find that out on June 9th. And then June 30th, at the end of the month, we will have the North American uh, Logistics Tech Summit. I believe I got the name right there. <laughs> and we will be talking about all the great things, all the great technology coming out in domestic truckloads. Awesome. A lot going on. A lot uh, a lot between now and November. As big as November is going to be, there's a lot going on between now and then. I know. So there is. So there's a lot going on. You can find it all at live.freightwaves.com. You can also find it at tv.freightwaves.com. You can also find it on our podcast channel, Freightcast, where you can download. Uh, in Freightcast, you can download every show that we do here, or you can download Put That Coffee Down on Put That Coffee Down on that channel. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yep. A lot, yeah. a lot of coffee to put down. It was a lot of coffee to put down, but I, I, I think we could do about four shows on on the, the pyramid of learning. 100%. And you especially know? when you start matching that with the growth mindset versus fixed mindset and, and seeing how all these different things that we've been talking about over the past several weeks, they all integrate, they all mesh together, it all kind of starts making sense. And uh, But there's still some contradictions out there too. So. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, well, it makes so, for a good there, conversation. So there is, there's always disruption going on, and there's there's quite a bit in, in, in sales, too, disruption. People learning new angles, doing new things, like Justin over at Convergently, and, uh, and, and having new products and services that are, are popping up to, to aid salespeople. So it's, it's a great revolution in, in all industries, sales being one, freight sales certainly uh, being one as well. Um, but yeah, catch out, catch up, uh, Check out Freight Waves Now, yeah, uh, our sure. morning show, every single morning from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And coming up this afternoon at 3 o'clock, I'm joining Andrew Cox up here for Great Quarter Guys. We're going to talk about spending and finance and uh, parcel delivery and the e-commerce world that, that we live in right now and see where that is headed. So take care. See you next week. I got friends only wanna talk business. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I got expensive, cause when is expensive. I've been reading out of work. And I've been shutting out the stars.